Good morning, Dr. Alejandro Badia here with another bi-weekly episode of the podcast, Fixing Healthcare from the Trenches. Today, I have the great pleasure of introducing a friend and colleague, Dr. Sanjay Sinha, who uh, is an anesthesiologist and is really a trailblazer in something that we call regional anesthesia, meaning allowing surgeons like myself and many other colleagues to do surgery in outpatient centers without the risks of general anesthesia, without intubation, et cetera. Um, he's uh, the chief anesthesiologist at the Connecticut Joint Replacement Institute, the name telling you that we now commonly do joint replacements outside the hospital environment, where there is an infection, COVID, inefficiency, costs, all of those things. Um, he has developed a number of uh, regional anesthesia techniques, including one for knee surgery called uh, IPAC block, which has been used uh, all around the world. And his uh, current area of interest, he'll tell you about it, is neuromodulation including work being done at a, a very innovative company called Gate Science that we'll be talking about. So without further ado, thank you, Dr. Sinha, for joining us. Uh, Dr. Padilla, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So so tell us uh, the, 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 the fact that, that these kind of major surgeries are now being done at, at outpatient centers is obviously a cost savings, but there's even some, some benefits as well, particularly because in the hospital, they may they may not have the surgeons and patients may not have access uh, to people as much like yourself. So tell us about some of these innovations. Yeah. So um, as you all know, or, or, or especially in the medical community, as well as patients uh, realize that there is a migration of surgeries happening from the inpatient or hospital setting to outpatient centers. And, and there are a lot of advantages to it. These are small footprint uh, uh, centers, very efficient. They have the best sort of techniques. The, the surgeons are very uh, technically skilled. The anesthesiologists are, are uh, sort of in tune with the latest technologies and methodologies for uh, delivering anesthesia. For the patients, you know, it's an easy in and out. They don't have to worry about parking. And the care that they get is comparable to, um, yeah. uh, to what they would get in an inpatient setting. But there are certain challenges as well. And one of the challenges that is that uh, surgeries um, with high pain burdens or complex surgeries are now being performed in outpatient centers. And, and we can get these patients through the surgery um, with, our, with our novel sort of techniques and, 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 our, uh, and the, the surgical sort of skills, the technology that is used. But when these patients go home, um, you know, they have this pain burden, which exists for days and weeks after surgery. And so it is, it is important that, that even though we can get the patients through their initial care, their surgery and their immediate post-operative care uh, uh, in, an, in, in the outpatient surgery center, but when they go home, um, the pain burden exists and that can last for days and weeks. And that has to be taken care of. And to be able to take care of that, you know, there are multiple techniques that are being uh, being sort of studied and looked at. Uh, one of them that that I'm interested in is neuromodulation, uh, combining nerve blocks and neuromodulation to be able to control the entire episode of uh, postoperative pain. So when you say neuromodulation, I'm, uh, I assume you're, you're speaking also about the uh, the electrical component. Actually, that's correct. So maybe that's perhaps correct. you can go into that. Right. So so. Um, Neuromodulation has existed for, for decades in the chronic pain uh, uh, right. clinic, where it has been used in chronic pain patients, so spinal cord stimulators, 
um, um, you know, implantable electrodes around nerves. Um, and they are very safe. They have been used, as I said, for decades. Um, the use of these technologies or use of delivering a tiny amount of current to a peripheral nerve in the acute pain setting or the, or the post-operative uh, acute pain setting is sort of novel. Um, we know that it works in the chronic pain setting. What you're trying to assess is how well does it work in the acute pain immediate post-surgical setting. And, the, and it does have certain advantages. Uh, the advantages are that, that you can um, deliver pain control for a long period of time. And, um, and um, so, so just sort of rewinding back, typically in the past, you know, we would do a nerve block um, and maybe run, uh, put in a catheter right next right. to the nerve and inject some Novocaine-like medication and then use that catheter hooked up to a pump and infuse um, local anesthetic over a period of four days, you know, up to three or four days. Um, once that nerve block wore off, um, the patients would have some kind of rebound pain and, 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 and pain that would sort of persist for days or weeks, but it would take care of that pain in the first 48 to 72 hours. With neuromodulation, we can extend that time frame for up to 30 days. And, and that is the, the advantage of, um, of uh, neuromodulation. The other advantages are that it doesn't cause any kind of motor weakness. So the patients can you know, start the physical therapy and, and, uh, and uh, do their rehab uh, fairly quickly um, uh, after uh, you know, when they return home. So, 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 that, so with these, um, you know, we all know there's been some problems with some of the indwelling catheters. I can tell you from experience, I had a, a shoulder surgery many years ago when I'm my first of several. Mm -hmm. And I remember the catheter started leaking. <clears throat> and I remember even Christmas day, I, I had to kind of pull it. And, and as you said, that's when the pain kicks in, right. right? So the idea of this, of course, would be to extend that to, 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 you know, hopefully 30 days, which by that point, most people don't even have much post, uh, you know, surgical right. pain, right. correct? Right. And yeah. Alejandro, the, the other way of thinking about it is, so in your case, when they had the catheter, it was, there was a tubing that was hooked up to a pump and right. that pump kept infusing a little bit of Novocaine. Over here, we're replacing that tubing and that pump with a stream of electrons. All right. Oh, much cleaner. Yes, yeah. yeah, so certainly in my center. I mean, I've been doing uh, total shoulder replacement, reverse shoulders, et cetera, for, for at least a decade now, you know, outpatient. Uh, and and the advent of um, of you know Exporel, right? This this uh, long acting bupivacaine, you know, lysosomal release uh, for the patients. Uh, you know, public listening. This is a way to for uh, someone like uh, Dr. Sinha to do a block uh, in in the in around the area of your your collarbone, and your clavicle, and that would uh, last potentiate that and last for two to three days. But now with neuromodulation through uh, relay is the name of the right. The device, the device, right? Relay, which uh, made by uh, uh, that will be commercialized by Gate Science, uh, will deliver this sort of relief, which is uh, impressive. I mean, really impressive for 30 days. Because I can tell you, in my, uh, you know, you're an expert in knee. I had a tibial osteotomy, and right. I can tell you, I never had knee pain, which is incredible. Right. Over somebody cut my tibia, because by the time the Exparel wore off, uh, which you is know, made by know. by Pacira, by the way. Right. Uh, pharmaceuticals, as you know, uh, by the time it wore off, I really didn't have pain. But many other surgeries or many patients may be more susceptible to pain. And now with with the um, with, with the neuromodulation, uh, that that is a game changer. Yes, Wonderful. indeed. And, so, and we are looking forward to uh, we uh, the 
Our product has been approved by the FDA to start clinical trials, which will be starting uh, this month, actually later part of this month. And uh, if everything goes well, we hope to commercialize in Q1 of 2025. 25, yeah, a year. So, uh, so yeah. get ready. I mean, this is uh, the the pay. I mean, one of our our, our friends and colleagues who has a a, a much uh, much more widely watched uh, podcast named the Ortho Show. Uh, Scott Sigmund, you know, is known as an opioid sparing surgeon, and uh, Scott has really been instrumental amongst my my surgeon colleagues in bringing these ideas forward. And I think that um, the time has come because of the the opioid epidemic. Uh, if if people haven't watched the the some of the films now that are out there about what what happened with uh, with right. uh, Purdue Pharma, um, you know the, one of the books I recommend is Empire of Pain. I read right. that about six months ago. Right. Uh, so this is, I mean, this this has far-reaching implications for our society, not just individual patients with pain relief, but we will be able to minimize people getting addicted to these right. painkillers. Right. Uh, um, so just to say, you know, Scott Segman, the original opioid sparing surgeon is part of our advisory board. Right. Um, and, um, you know, he has termed uh, uh, um, the analgesic gap that exists um, between acute pain and, and the, the, the pain that follows uh, thereafter, after the first, you know, 48 hours or so. And neuromodulation, our device sort of is going to take care of that analgesic gap that exists. So. No, so it's very necessary and and it fits into what I've been trying to talk about you know whether it be through my my book healthcare from the trenches or or this podcast is the need to make healthcare more efficient right because right. the technology is there right but the problem is it's incredibly costly as we all know and if we can migrate a lot of these surgeries from an expensive hospital environment and and you know as we all know we need hospitals i mean it's, right. it's but but the reality has come that many of these uh, procedures are are quite expensive, and we need to think about our our uh, our costs. And I'm hoping you know the, the we could get some politicians listening because you know in the last few debates, the Republican debates, healthcare is not even mentioned. So this yeah. is a big problem, yeah. and yeah. I think we need to educate them about this. So so I'm I'm going to ask you, um, uh, Sanjay, which which would you say are three initiatives, very bullet point format. Three initiatives that you think could really bring down healthcare costs in this country. So um, the first one that comes to mind is is initiatives that are undertaken by physicians. They are in the trenches. They are taking care of patients. They see what is happening in their healthcare environment. Uh, they interact with colleagues and patients and uh, the ancillary staff, and and um, they have a finger on the pulse in terms of. Uh, what the needs are, what the gaps are, um, and how to solve them. And so there should be initiatives uh, that that start from the physician that should right. be taken seriously and um, and should be studied, uh, expanded, um, and and if they work, uh, you know, to be used in in other hospital systems. So I think the the. And then this not, not only goes for physicians, but also nurses and, and, and physical therapy staff who can come up with ideas that are novel because they are working with the patients um, and, right. and they get to see um, what benefits them, what doesn't benefit them. So we that's just, we, of, need, we, uh, need, we need to see it at the table, correct? Right, I mean, right. When we need we, to right. see it on the and, table. And, yep. and, and when we come up with an idea, it should be supported and nurtured 
um, and and if if it is worthwhile studied and if it is worthwhile it should be uh, expanded and and, and other institutions should should incorporate that in their practices yeah, so definitely um, in, engage the people in the trenches so that's number one number two right number two is I think the value-based care where uh, the stakeholders the surgeons the hospitals the anesthesiologists they all uh, become form a, a partnership so, so to speak and take care of an episode of care with a fixed price um, and and um, so 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 they are they are able to create efficiencies. Uh, these are not siloed kind of uh, services that are being provided, right. but all the, the physicians, they work as a team to be able to get the best outcome in the most efficient way. And the value, of course, is the outcomes and the price. And in terms of outcomes, if the patient has, has great uh, outcomes in terms of, you know, total knee replacement, they can, you know, in an elderly patient, they can go biking, they can go hiking, they can play with their grandchildren. And if that can be done at a lower price uh, with a team of clinicians, the physicians, the surgeons, the anesthesiologists, physical therapists, the hospital system, then I think that is a way of lowering or bending that cost curve uh, and an efficient way and a collaborative way of taking care of patients. And and ultimately, it's going to rely on technology, and I'll comment on that right. later. And, but and, I mean, and, now we have the tools to be able to do that, correct? Right, right. And yeah. and the the last thing that I was going to say was basically technology. Yeah. So there are going to be technologies that are being that are coming out uh, that are already exist are in the pipeline, um, like our our uh, relay device from Gate Science, but other technologies in terms of patient interaction and using. Um, uh, machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence—you know, using large datas to be able to create um, uh, algorithms that benefit patient outcome. So, well, let, let's give it an example, right? With Relay, the idea is you will be able to control and you'll be able to even report back your pain levels. I mean, That's that correct. has so, that is correct through, so through device, an app, correct? Yes. yes. So our our Relay device is controlled by an app, and because we have an app now. Uh, the app can then start interacting with the patients because the, the app interacts with the device, but now it can start interacting with the patients and their physicians. So it can become a communication tool. It can collect patient reported outcomes. And once you have you know, significant data, you can then start using machine learning and create algorithms so that the, so that the, um, the, the efficiency of the, uh, the, the system can be used much more efficiently without even patient you know, requiring to change uh, settings and so forth. And, and so those are the potential benefits of uh, technology. Um, and especially with this new um, um, artificial intelligence, I think, and, and large data sets, uh, I think we will be able to predict uh, patients who are gonna do poorly uh, or patients who will do well. Uh, if the patient is gonna do poorly, how we can uh, use intervention to improve their outcomes before they even have the surgeries. Right. Uh, just to give an example, you know, we can now use uh, AI to be able to predict what kind of pain a patient is going to have after a total knee replacement, and and if the patient is going to is is one of those uh, uh, is a, is a patient that is going to experience high is predicted to have high pain experience, then we can start taking certain uh, 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 techniques that we can use. We can start education. We can set the um, the the you know you know talk to the patient, um, give them different kinds of therapy, and set expectations so that when we they can, go into the surgery, they are much more prepared uh, to handle the 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 pain that happens postoperatively. 
about and even using the app to modify those settings, right? For those patients that uh, we, we can predict. That's correct. Well, how, that's correct. And these are the you patients, know, right, that often cost a lot of money in the resources, right? They end up being readmitted to hospitals, for example, simply right. for pain. That's right. extremely expensive. <laughs> yeah. One of the things, uh, Alejandro, as you know, is is after surgery, um, you know, a small percentage of patients develop persistent pain after surgery. Yep. And, and if there's a way that we can control that that um, uh, that persistent pain, then that would be a win because because imagine, you know, there are about 60 million surgeries or so being performed. About 5 to 10% of the patients continue to use uh, pain medications, become opioid dependent. And, and, um, and if we have a way of controlling that pain so that they never develop that persistent pain, then you can really have... Uh, you know, great outcomes for the patient as well as for the society because of the uh, the the opioid epidemic is still sort of ongoing. Um, and and I think um, um, these these predictive tools or these AI algorithms are going to be able to play an important role in many different uh, uh, conditions, patient conditions. Absolutely, yeah. This is uh, no, I mean, this is this is groundbreaking stuff. So, right. you know, looking forward to that to that clinical study. So I'm going to give you my my three mm-hmm. uh, initiatives. So the first one is uh, the concept of having oversight, not authorization, by mm-hmm. insurance carriers. Right? I think that our system is very bloated. I'm experiencing this today. I have a lady with a horrendous wrist fracture, and I'm thinking, why do I need to wait for authorization from right. a, you know multi billion dollar company called United Healthcare when in the end once they've seen me, I'm I'm kind of the best person to decide what needs to be done for that risk fracture. And what happens is that ends up impeding the progress and that costs money, right? So that's, so, and and yet, you know, there are, we do, you know, we're, we're human, we make mistakes and there's also uh, over utilizers, et cetera. So we do right. need oversight in the system, but not hurdles, right. okay? Um, second one is uh, tied into say that patient, right specialist at the right time. Mm-hmm. The system uh, is still built to this sort of gatekeeper concept, and our primary care uh, colleagues are way too busy to be, you know, seeing that wrist fracture or shoulder or knee pain and saying, "Okay, I'm I'm authorizing," or right. you know, them right. That is that we 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 should be those those colleagues should be focused on keeping us healthy, so healthcare instead of sick care, right? right? Yeah, and and recognizing uh, uh, chronic disease problems early, managing them, correct? Right. Uh, and the last one is tied into to all of this, which is public and patient education. All right. If the public doesn't understand where our pain points are in healthcare, how can we possibly fix it? So one of the goals of of, of my book of healthcare from the trenches wasn't so much to provide a lot of solutions. I, I wish I knew them. Although I'm 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 coming to understand speaking to colleagues like yourself. But the problem is that the, the patients do not and the public do not understand what what the, our challenges are, except right. when they have a problem, then they start seeing, my gosh, why am I, why do I have this risk fracture? And I'm waiting for my insurance company to give right. some little number, right? Yes. So so part of that is is public and patient education. And that's the idea of this podcast every two weeks. So I will be able to keep uh, the public updated with the progress from Gate Science and the great yes, work you folks you. are doing. So yeah. I, I look forward to getting a report from you in the, in the uh, near future, uh, Sanjay. That's so, great. Thank you, Alejandro. 
Thank you. So thanks, everyone. We'll see everyone in two weeks. And please, if you think this topic is of interest, please share it, spread it, uh, critique it, what have you. But what we need is engagement. And right. right now, um, we're just not getting enough of that. The first point that uh, Sanjay made was that the physicians, in the, those of us in the trenches, nurses, technicians, et cetera, uh, our voices need to be heard. So that's what we're trying to do here. Thank you very much. All Thank of you. you. Thank you.